After another wild day in the wild Big Ten West, we're all tied up. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, here with a recap show going over everything from Saturday in the Big Ten. And we've got a whole lot to go over. Again, you can follow the show wherever it is you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter at Locked On Big Ten. It's Locked On Big Ten, one zero at the end, not T-E-N when you're typing it out. I'm Nate Dickinson, by the way. My Twitter account is at Nate with Sports. Let's dive right in to the biggest result from over the weekend in the Big Ten, at least the one with the most consequence. Purdue beats Illinois. Final score 31-24, to and with it, we're in a four-way tie in the Big Ten West. We'll tell you how we got there the rest of the way here later on. But right now, Purdue and uh, in Illinois, both 4-3 and three in the Big Ten, as well as Iowa and Minnesota. And these last two weeks are going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to break down all the scenarios here on tomorrow's show on Locked On Big Ten and get into what each team has to do to actually win the conference division because it's not really as simple as just win out and you're in for anybody. We're going to get into all of those specifics on tomorrow's show. First low, let's get into, of course, what's already happened. The game's on Saturday. Purdue beats Illinois after a rough start, to be completely honest, from Aiden O'Connell. He was not great. And early, he was pretty inaccurate. He missed a few different throws where I thought there were passes that should have been made that he just wasn't making. And not like terribly difficult throws to make either. He was just wasn't putting the ball in the right spot in some places early in the game. And as a result, Purdue missed out on some chances that they had early in this matchup. Uh, there was a couple of different drives in that first half where Purdue had a chance to really be able to take control of that game. And it ended up empty, just whether it be because of Aiden O'Connell missing throws or other things. Uh, Penn State's defense, I made note of, was incredible in the first half on the flats on the outside. Whether it be a run on the inside, Penn State was setting the edge. Whether it be a little screen pass quick outside, Nittany Lions defense just seemed to be there. And or, uh, Nittany Lions, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, Purdue defense just... I'm absolutely out of my mind right now. I don't know what I'm missing. Uh, Illinois defense was just out of their mind in doing and stopping that early on. That was just another note that I had from the first half that took incredibly long to get through. Apologies for that. For O'Connell to be that bad at the start and for them to be only tied at half was kind of a blessing and a curse. Uh, one, Purdue was still in the game, but two, you felt like you could have been leading in Illinois at halftime. But whatever happened at half with Jeff Brom and O'Connell and the rest of the offense, they made up for it in the start of the second half. Two touchdowns on the first two drives of the half take it from 14-14 to a 28-21 Purdue lead. And that's all that the Boilermakers would need the entire rest of the way. It was really, really just kind of slowed down after that. The final sequence after Purdue made it 28-21, they went punt, 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 interception, and then exchanging field goals to finish things up. Uh, just the way that Big Ten football works sometimes, I suppose, but uh, it was 
a weird way to end what was supposed to be a really, I guess, I don't know if you were expecting defensive battle, but it's the Big Ten and it's Illinois' defense. So I don't think you were expecting 31 points out of Purdue in this game. But the offense showed up and Purdue won it. And as a result, we're now at four and three all around. Uh, looking at other notes I had, just, oh, of course, have to talk about the chippiness in this game. At halftime, coming out of the locker rooms, there were some people who were pushing and shoving for some reason. I didn't actually ever get the real explanation as to what that was. Someone was saying that one team was trying to warm up or go into another team's warm-up. Again, I don't know exactly what happened, but we saw that. We saw players flipping off helmets and talking to each other. We saw all sorts of pushing and shoving. There was a lot of different kind of unsportsmanlike or personal foul kind of stuff happening throughout that second half. And also the referees were just involved in general. Uh, very involved, I think, is the best way to put it. A lot of laundry coming out on this field throughout the entire game. I know there were calls on both sides that people were really unhappy about if you went on Twitter as the games were being played. But in the end, it was... Purdue's offense and then defense that ends up closing the door. Of course, if you're a Chase Brown fan and an Illinois fan, you're worried right now because he gets hurt at the end of that game, and we'll see what ends up happening with him. But for Illinois, a disaster result of a loss and then losing Brown for Purdue. Of course, this is one of the signature wins, if not the signature win of the season. Ranked team on the road picking up that win, and of course, with it, pulling into a tie for first place in the Big Ten West. It was a huge, huge game. And to be honest, a really fun game to watch, too. Excitement all around, emotion, passion, maybe a little bit too much passion at times from these guys out there. But everybody overall, I think you can't be too unhappy with what we saw in this game from Purdue or Illinois right now. These two teams are playing like two of the better teams in the Big Ten West. They played, they played that game as if it was two of the contenders for this division going at it. They really, really did. Uh, moving on, on the other side, you had the other most important game of the weekend in which, uh, I guess, in an entirely different way, this looked like a Big Ten football game in every sense of the word, Wisconsin and Iowa. I mean, if there's two teams who embody all of the ground and pound, the low scoring, the at times ugly football it is these two teams, and man, I mean, we say it every time this game's coming up that like, oh, you can expect this one to be a classic Big Ten matchup with all sorts of wacky things happening and punts all over the place. It exceeded expectations. It seems like every time we have this conversation pre and post game, it exceeds the expectations. But Wisconsin-Iowa this year was just another level of nobody moving the football. Let me just get into... Some of the stats in a minute, but first again, final score 24 to 10 in favor of Iowa. It was everything you expected from two Big Ten teams. Cooper DeGene was nasty, had the pick six, had the forced fumble, had 10 tackles along with a tackle for loss. He was insane. He was the MVP for Iowa and probably on both sides of the ball too when you end up thinking about it. It was incredible how Iowa scored 24 points. On what was, let me look at it here, make sure, 146 total yards. Every single point that Iowa scored was either on defense or on a drive that started in Badgers territory. That's how weird it was. And that's the team that won the game by two touchdowns, by the way. The one that had 146 yards total on offense. Big Ten football. 
what more can you say? Uh, here's some more actual stats that just kind of are those like, hey, this is the Big Ten stats, kind of crazy stuff like that. We mentioned 146 yards for Iowa in a win, 2.1 yards per play. By the way, that's the second time this season Iowa has won while getting less than three yards per play. No other team in Division One has any. I think it's like 25 games in total that you're looking at. 0 for 20, whatever it is. Iowa's 2-2 two and two in games in which it, score, it gets less than three yards per play on offense. If you can master being bad at moving the football, Iowa's done it. Moving on, Wisconsin had one play in Iowa territory the entire second half. Give credit to both defenses. Give credit to that Iowa defense especially. They stepped up in a bigger way on Saturday. 19 of the 30 drives in this game. So there were 30 drives in this football game. 19 of them ended with the team on offense getting less than 10 yards. Two-thirds of the drives. If you want to go up to 20 yards there, 25 out of 30 drives ended with the team on offense getting less than 20 yards. That's the thing that makes it more impressive than your average Iowa-Wisconsin game. That's the thing that makes this more than just a, oh, Big Ten football, safeties, punts, incomplete, inaccurate passes, and ground-and-pound run game. This was, this was that to the 10th degree. I can't say enough. Just how bad this game was, and if you're a Big Ten fan, you loved every second of it. Because this was what you signed up for when you decided to be a Wisconsin or an Iowa fan, and you got it. Obviously, you're much more frustrated if you're a Wisconsin fan right now than Iowa, but hey, no, nobody's playing that great out there in this game. I mean, we talked about like Purdue and Illinois looked like two teams that were competing in the Big Ten West with how good they played. Iowa and Wisconsin looked like they were two teams competing for the Big Ten West in how Big Ten they played in this game. It was, again, I can't emphasize enough. A last stat. Iowa has not lost a game in November since pre-pandemic. That's Kirk Ferentz. That's why Iowa's always in it. And that's why after what it was a few weeks to start the season, in which we thought Iowa was dead in the water, Hawkeyes are right back in the thick of it in the Big Ten West. I don't know how they do it every single year, but somehow they've gotten back in it. Wisconsin's out of it, I believe out of it actually mathematically even though they're a game back i think with how everyone plays everybody there's not a scenario for wisconsin to win the big 10 west but i'll check in on that and make sure by tomorrow's show for you crazy games fun games big 10 football that's what you saw out of those two matchups elsewhere it was a bunch of blowouts for the most part outside of michigan state rutgers but we're going to get to all of that right here as we continue along on the show here on locked on big 10. Our show today is brought to you in part by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the place to go to make sure that you have everything that you need for your daily fantasy going into college football Saturday. Now, if you're trying to get into the game as far as college daily fantasy goes, not a lot of sites have it. Underdog Fantasy does. What you do is you go to Underdog's site, you pick players out of maybe the Big Ten, I'd prefer, and then have their predicted numbers for either it be yards or points if you're going basketball touchdowns completion stuff like that and you pick either more or less than what the projection is from underdog do that for two to five players 
and you can win up to 10, 20 times your money by playing over at Underdog Fantasy. It's that simple, and you can do it with the college players you love in the Big Ten too. So head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download their app, and when you sign up, use promo code Locked On, one word, Locked On, to get a $100 up to match on your first deposit. If you throw $100 into your account, they're going to make it too. You throw in 50, they'll make it 100. I'm good at math. I don't need to brag anymore on it. Underdog Fantasy, the place to go if you want to get in on the game on Saturdays. It's underdogfantasy.com or wherever you get your apps in the App Store. Moving on, looking at some of the blowouts in the Big Ten. We're going to breeze through a couple of these really quickly, starting with Ohio State. Buckeyes ran all over. Uh, was it Northwestern? Yeah, Northwestern. I was trying to figure out if it was Northwestern or Indiana. That was that that team that got blown out by that much. Moving on, uh, they were. Oh wait, 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 wait. Northwestern. Gosh, my notes are messed up today, people. I'm sorry. Ohio State ran all over Indiana, 56-14. The final score. Northwestern also lost by a lot of points to Minnesota. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Ohio State was really good, scored 56 points. Mine Williams was dominant. He was good enough that Ohio State didn't really have to be creative anywhere else. He got hurt near the end of the game, tweeted out shortly after that he's fine. So hopefully that's the case and he doesn't miss any time. But if you were worried about that, really the only thing you had to be worried about after this matchup, Mine Williams says it looks like he's going to be okay. So at least no long-term real uh, consequences for Ohio State on the injury front. Michigan also won big, dominated Nebraska 34-3 the final score. It was again a game that didn't require all that much uh, later on from the Wolverines. Team was good, looked really good. Uh, those two teams, Ohio State and Michigan, are really just on a crash course now to play each other in two weeks. They have been all season, but like this is going to be, and we talked about this before, but this is going to be like one of the most anticipated college football games in recent memory with just how long it's been anticipated. Both teams top five to start the season have not left it the entire season and are going to, as long as everyone wins, be two teams in top four college football playoff spots when they face off. That would be maybe the biggest since like, I'm trying to think like when would a game have been that highly anticipated for that long? Maybe one of the like, Alabama LSU matchups from a decade ago, maybe, or early, I, I, or Alabama Auburn when they were both really good. I don't, it has to be one of those SEC games. But as far as like a, a game being looked forward to for the entire season for both fan bases, it's always that way for Michigan and Ohio State. But even last season, we had like Michigan had to build up to proving that they were that legit undefeated team. Now we've known both these teams are legit all year, and they've both played the part all year. It's going to be a whole lot of fun when those two teams match up. No doubt about it. Uh, moving on, Penn State dominated Michigan or Maryland 30 to nothing, the final score. And this was a little bit surprising in that, well, you see that zero in the Maryland side, and you're like, whoa. Michigan State just shut down Talia Tagovailoa, and they did, but it wasn't that Tagovailoa had a terrible game. The offensive line for Maryland had a god-awful game. Um, it was a situation where Tagovailoa didn't really have a chance to get going on a lot of plays. He wasn't quite able to get comfortable at any point, I would say. 
Nick Singleton dominated again for Penn State. He ends up going for 122 yards, two touchdowns, 113 of those yards in the first half. It was brutal, brutal. Uh, Penn State was scoring all of their points early, too, so I didn't really catch much of this game. It was out of hand. Maryland had 27 yards of offense at halftime. 27 yards of offense. That's a special kind of bad on offense or good on defense, depending on how you want to look at it. Penn State defense was all over it. you got to give them a respect for stopping Maryland. And give them a respect overall, because they've been good. Manny Diaz's defense has been good this season, but it, I feel like they haven't gotten quite the respect that they need to, maybe just for me, and if so, that's my fault. But over the last few games for Penn State, you're looking at what they've given up and what they've allowed. It's been really good. Outside of Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State hasn't allowed more than 17 points in a game since all the way back in week one when they beat Purdue, which is, by the way, looking like a better win now, right? So Penn State, I think every single week, I think we've said Penn State is the third best team in the Big Ten. And I think every single week we've gone into a game being like, if it's a game like this one in Maryland or say the Illinois game, you had things where it was like, okay, yeah, Penn State's probably the best, te- third best team in the Big Ten, but they did get blown out by both Michigan and Ohio State. So can they pass the other tests? Illinois was a test. They passed it. Maryland was, I think, maybe the next best test they had in the East. They passed it with flying, flying colors. So it's week 11 now, going into 12. It's a little bit late to be talking about exactly, you know, is Penn State really, really the third best team in the Big Ten? But uh, I think after this one, the book's pretty much closed on that. Unfortunately, it's not going to matter for much in the grand scheme of things, except for Penn State being able to get to double-digit wins. But it's, uh, I think, really good, again, when you look at what Penn State was last year. you got to be happy with the fact that this team has bounced back just immediately right away and looked really good at points. We'll wrap up and get you the last couple of results from the Big Ten weekend. Another blowout and another close game to go over between Rutgers and Michigan State. Before we get to any of that, though, Nugenics has a new product to tell you about. Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin. Testafin is a chemical that has five clinical studies behind it showing that it boosts free testosterone levels in men. So if you're someone who is just run out of energy throughout the day, have found that you are not able to get through things quite as easily as you used to, just start getting tired earlier, don't have quite that same endurance that you used to, you can test this out from Nugenics and see what it is they're talking about. It can help you out with all that stuff, just getting through the day and fighting getting old. I mean, I'm I'm not old. If you watch on YouTube and you should subscribe at Locked On Big Ten, you know I'm not super old. But even now, I'm worried about what happens next because I feel like now compared to 5, 10 years from now when I was a young kid, things are a lot worse. And I'm afraid for how much worse it's going to get. So Nugenics can be a thing that you can go to if you're going through those kinds of pains or just losses of energy as you're getting older to make sure that you can combat it and stay up to everything that you need to be up to. Uh, go over to Nugenics and try things out. You can get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text COLLEGE to 231231. We usually have websites for you. You can text COLLEGE to 231231 for a complimentary bottle from Nugenics. Text now to get a 
bottle of Nugetics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text COLLEGE to 231231. Text COLLEGE to 231231. Texting enrolls you into recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Let's get into the final and last two games of the Big Ten weekend. Uh, first off, Minnesota destroyed Northwestern. Same story as Ohio State, Indiana. Maybe that's why I messed up the two losing teams' names earlier. But Minnesota ran all over the Wildcats. Mo Ibrahim had three touchdowns. Uh, the backup for Tanner Morgan, as he was still out with injury, Ethan Kalik Manis, only had to throw the ball 13 times. Minnesota not tested at all by Northwestern. 31-3 final score, but with it, Minnesota also 4-3. So they join Iowa, Purdue, and Illinois as those three teams who are still tied for the top of the Big Ten West. Four of them right now at 4-3 if you've lost count. Other game was Michigan State barely getting past Rutgers 27-21, the final score. Uh, I think the big question you have to ask yourself right now is, how much better is Michigan State than what they were at the beginning of the season or the first part of the season when they were just getting torn apart at certain areas by opposing teams? I think the answer is that in those areas, they're much improved. And as a result, you're seeing the changes in at least the final scores. The pass defense was terrible for Michigan State early on in the season. And while players are still throwing for decent yardage against the Spartans, it has not turned into the same amount of points. Uh, In the last two weeks, or last three weeks, I should say, you've given up 21 points here to a Rutgers team, then 15 the week before, and 29 the week before that to Michigan. So you have 15 against Illinois, 29 against Michigan. Those numbers are not great, but they're better. Key better. Only giving up 29 to Michigan included in that, I think, is pretty good. And it's even better when you look at what they had in the weeks before that. Before that run, gave up 28, 49, 27, 34, and 39. And it was bad in a lot of those situations. We talked about it at the time. Just wide open receivers for opposing teams. It didn't look like a team that was just even organized in what it was doing. Even if it had the ability to execute, if it had been organized. This team at least looks a bit more organized. This defense on passing looks a bit more organized. And I don't know how much better that makes Michigan State. But what I do know is that there's a decent shot that it's not really, really going to matter as far as them making a bowl game. With the win, they now have to only win one of two down the stretch. They got Indiana next week. So if you beat Indiana, then hopefully you don't have to prove yourself against Penn State in the last week of the season. But that's the goal for Michigan State right now. They're just trying to make a bowl game at this point. And the good news is that even if that pass defense isn't that greatly improved, it looks like at least you're going to be able to get there by beating Indiana next Saturday. We'll, of course, wait until the games play, though, because we know how things work in the Big Ten. Outside of that, this game was a back-and-forth matchup that Michigan State had a arm's-length lead on throughout. It ends up as a six-point game, and it was pretty close throughout. Michigan State was never up more than two scores, I don't think, but it was a game that Michigan State, I mean, if you're going into the season and you're saying you're beating Rutgers by six, it's like, oh, geez. But 
I think that's a testament to just how far this team's expectations have fallen and the fans' expectations of the talent, even not even just the performance, but like who's out there on the field doing what. It's just changed a lot throughout this season. It, again, should be able to beat Indiana next week and get bowl eligible. That's the success. But the, the season as a whole has been tough and Michigan State has not been great overall, but it looks like they're getting better and hopefully they can put it together by the time they hopefully get to a bowl game. Uh, final notes before I wrap things up here real quickly. We're going to talk more about this on the official show for tomorrow. Uh, but over the weekend, we had some Saturday results to get to you. Number 15, Penn State defeated number 14, Purdue Volleyball last night. Three sets to one, the final score there in a top 25 matchup on the court. And also in hockey on Saturday, number three, Michigan lost to number 18, Notre Dame in South Bend, 3-2 to two the final, ends up making that a split of the two-game series over the weekend between the Wolverines and the Fighting Irish. Michigan won on Friday, the final score 5-1. to one. In other scores, Rutgers won the Big Ten men's soccer tournament earlier today. We'll talk a little bit more on that on tomorrow's show. The Penn State women's soccer team beat Quinnipiac 4-1 to one in the first round of the women's NCAA soccer tournament. A whole bunch of other Big Ten teams won earlier in the weekend, too. And Penn State and Maryland both won in the NCAA tournament in field hockey today. We have yet to get the result at the time of recording of Northwestern and Iowa, who are facing off in that tournament here today. But postseason tournaments are starting. National champions are going to be crowned soon in fall sports. And, of course, the football season's winding down as well with basketball gearing up. We've got a whole lot to go over is what that means on Locked On Big Ten, and I'm looking forward to getting to more for you officially tomorrow here as we get into what's going on in the Big Ten West. We know that there's four teams tied. We know that there's a lot of different scenarios, but let's actually organize everything, sort it all out and figure out, okay, for each team still in it, what has to happen for your team to win that division? We're going to go over that tomorrow here on Locked On Big Ten. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. We will talk to you then. Follow the show on Twitter or wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube at Locked On Big Ten. It's one zero at the end, not T-E-N. I'm at Nate with sports on Twitter and I'm Nate Dickinson. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on Locked On Big Ten.